What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast is a production of the Factual Data Creations Facility. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 177, which I'm calling Shaky and Liza Forever. How you doing out there today? Well, let's just get started here, why don't we? Tech news. Well, it's been a quiet week as far as tech news goes, but I've managed to scrape up a few interesting tidbits for you. Well, at least I find them interesting. First up, Digital Trends is reporting that Apple supply chain analyst Supreme, Mr. Ming-Chi Kuo, feels that Apple's answer to ChatGPT and other artificial intelligence entities is, quote, significantly behind their competitors, unquote, and doesn't expect Apple to talk much about it during the company's earning call. Well, Mr. Quo was absolutely correct as Apple held said earnings call last Tuesday, and there wasn't a peep about AI. This contradicts another Apple Tea Leaf reader of note, Mark Gurman, statement from last week, which I covered, in which he claimed that according to sources within Apple, the company would have a major announcement concerning AI next year. So, who to believe? Well, my money is on Ming-Chi Quo. Apple is hamstrung by its dedication to user privacy, which puts it at a disadvantage in AI development right out of the gate. What essentially came out of Apple's earnings call was that iPhone sales were down while services were up. Services refer to subscriptions to iCloud, Apple TV+, Fitness+, Plus, Music, and so on. I would expect iPhone sales to go down with the economy being so darn bad lately. Come on, man. People are hanging on to their older model phones longer and it's easier to do so because iPhones are so well made and supported that you can 
do so without any loss of function. For example, my daughter Jessica has had her iPhone XR for almost five years now, and she'll still be getting the forthcoming iOS 17 update this fall. Now try hanging on to an Android phone for that long and see how functional it is. No! The Apple Watch is quietly getting its biggest upgrade in years, according to leaks, reads the headline from TechRadar.com. The article claims that though the Apple Watch models have been basically running at similar speeds since the Series 6, this year's Series 9 watch is rumored to be a significant upgrade and the most meaningful processor change for the Apple Watch since that Series 6. Also, a new model of the Apple Watch Ultra is expected, though I haven't seen any rumors of this model reported anywhere within the tech press. There will be no updated Apple Watch SE this year because that budget model is on a two-year upgrade cycle versus the one-year cycle of the regular model watch. Now, I've been wearing Apple Watches since the first model and haven't noticed any lag or drag in them since the Series 5, so I don't see how this big bump up in processing power will benefit me. Perhaps this speed and power upgrade will benefit the big old Ultra Series with its satellite communication capabilities and things more than the standard series watches. What I would like to see is better battery life for future watches. I do get a full day from my current watch, but sometimes it's close to dying before I retire for the evening. My lovely wife and I will most likely upgrade from our Series 7 watches in December, if at all. With Chinese-owned TikTok taking the younger generations by storm, and also taking the bulk of advertising revenue with it, Google's YouTube competitor, Shorts, has become TikTok's closest competitor with over 2 billion views per month. To celebrate this, according to a post by Fortune.com, the Big G has decided to add six new tools for Shorts creators. Yay! Clabs will enable creators to make side-by-side -side video compilations, and stickers have been added that intend to fortify audience participation. Also, tools for allowing creators to easily cut traditional YouTube content into shorts have been added, with Google claiming this feature will be a game-changer. Remainder of the new features aim to fortify shorts as a content creation hub. This includes increased discoverability of live content, a tool that bundles audio and visual effects, shorts, playlists, and mobile-first live video that will be integrated into the shorts discovery feed, which mimics TikTok's ability to do so. With younger people's attention span rapidly falling towards that of a goldfish, I guess the emphasis on short-form audio and video is needed. I watch some things created by using shorts, but find most are just plain old clickbait with a few gems sprinkled in. Engadget.com is claiming that Google has been working for years to separate the Chrome browser from Chrome OS. Wait a minute. I thought the Chrome browser was the operating system. Now, wasn't the whole light client idea built upon this? Well, I guess not. No. Supposedly, Google is to release a standalone browser, which is named LaCrosse, which is based on Linux and will replace the current Chrome OS browser within Chrome OS. Engadget further claims that LaCrosse is already done and will be introduced with the next Chrome OS update, which is 116. So, will Chrome OS now be called LaCrosse? The article never specifies this. As I've bored you with before, I was one of the lucky few to be sent the first Google Chromebook way back in 2011. Wow! And was impressed by it. The only complaint I had with the thing was that it always had to be connected to the Internet, something that my computing circumstances at the time just couldn't accomplish. 
Since then, Google has corrected this fault, but I'm too deep into the Apple ecosystem to switch. As I've stated in the past, if I were just starting out, one of the options I'd be looking at would be buying the Chromebook model with the best screen available, which would not only be my main and mobile computing platform, but also my home entertainment center. Well, it's too late for that now. As far as the Chrome browser goes, I've since deleted it off all my devices because the thing just hogs up too much precious computer memory. Here's an interesting report from T3.com. The Samsung Galaxy Ring, yeah, you heard that right, Ring, could launch next year. Now, if you listen to this excuse of a podcast on the regular, then you know that I'm a fan of smart rings. My first smart ring was the now discontinued Motive Ring. The ring tracked sleep and fitness metrics and tracked them very well. Later, Motive added two-factor authentication, which allowed the wearer to log into websites without a need for a password. The Motive Ring also had something called Walk ID that would recognize your gait, which is your unique walking style to authenticate the wearer. Unfortunately, the Motive company was bought by a digital identification company who promptly ceased selling the Motive Ring to the public. After that, I switched to the Aura Ring second generation, and while it had more sensors, it didn't do exercise metrics as well as the old Motive Ring, but had the uncanny ability to warn you of an oncoming sickness. I remember waking up one morning feeling pretty darn good, but upon checking my Aura Ring software, I noticed that it was advising me to take it easy and that something wasn't right. Of course, I ignored that warning, and wouldn't you know, later that evening I started feeling unwell, and by the next morning, I was running a full-blown fever. I had caught a flu, and the Aura knew I was going to be sick before even I did. I've since upgraded to the third generation of the Aura Ring, and the sleep and exercise metrics are greatly improved. The thing, at least for me, that hasn't improved, in fact has gotten worse, is the ability of the Aura Ring to predict an oncoming illness. Last year at this time, I got COVID. China. And not only did that ring fail to predict the illness, the software told me I was doing wonderful on the day the symptoms appeared and asked me if I could try to be more active than I usually am. <clears throat> I mean, I had a cough, sore throat, and a high fever when I woke up that morning. The original Series 3 that I owned had to be exchanged for another because the battery wouldn't even last four hours until needing a recharge. Well, kudos to Aura for sending me a new ring, though my warranty had expired by a month, and shipping out the replacement ring to me overnight. So far, I've had no problems with the ring, though sometimes I feel great, but the software says I don't, and sometimes I feel like garbage, but the software says the opposite. Now, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, the Samsung Galaxy Ring! The existence of the ring was leaked back in late 2022, and Samsung applied for a patent for a ring featuring heart rate and ECG monitoring. Since then, all information regarding the Galaxy Ring went silent. New leaks point to mass production of Samsung Smart Ring starting this month, with a release date of sometime in 2024. The long lag time can be attributed to Samsung needing to obtain medical device certifications, which will take months to acquire. Now, if done right, this could be a big success, especially to those already within the Samsung ecosystem. I wish Apple would take a chance on releasing a smart ring, or better yet, a fitness band. You know, I have quite the collection of high-end mechanical watches I would like to be wearing, but would miss the functions of my Apple Watch. If Apple could create a dedicated fitness band with just the essential features of the Apple Watch, well, I'd be all over something like that. Elon Musk has launched a lawsuit against a group of researchers who make up the UK-based Center for Countering Digital Hate. You might remember this outfit who teamed up with a UK 
based employee of U.S. network ABC to get Breitbart News and Zero Hedge, two U.S.-based conservative-leaning news organizations, demonetized by Google for hate speech. The hate speech was actually in the user comments of articles which were published online by the two organizations. The ABC News employee couldn't help bragging about her accomplishment on pre-Musk-owned Twitter, which brought some attention to the matter. The two sites were re-monetized by Google when it became apparent that a citizen of a foreign country had teamed up with a foreign-based entity to almost successfully censor U.S.-based news organizations and, in effect, U.S. citizens using misleading evidence. I hope that that particular ABC employee was either fired or reassigned to a position where she wouldn't have the time to scow U.S.-based websites for what she considered hate speech. Mr. Musk alleges that the Center for Countering Digital Hate violated Twitter's NEX's terms of service by improperly collecting a vast amount of data for its analysts and using the data to scare off would-be advertisers from the platform. Musk also alleges that the odious organization is funded by foreign governments and competing news organizations. Well, of course they are. Probably not directly, but through so-called non-governmental organizations or NGOs who get their funds from, you guessed it, governments and news organizations. See how this works? I got this information from a hit piece published by the Associated Press, better known as the AP, which should change its name to the Disassociated Press. <laughs> whose author was very critical of Mr. Musk, accusing him of a host of salacious things throughout the article. Well, I hope Mr. Musk sues the author for slander. Of course, the article left out the Breitbart and Zero Hedge scandal because, you know, that would have brought some balance to this garbage article. You know, these elites just can't get over not being able to silence those with differing opinions on social media or any other media. How did we even get to this place? Tech I'm using. Yeah, nothing much going on here either. I did get an update for the iOS 17 public beta, which fixed the disappearing text box and notifications on the native messages app and improved the notifications within the native mail app. All my other iOS-based hardware also received an update, my iPad, TV box, and watch, but I wasn't having any problems with them like I was with the iPhone. In a little over a month, my lovely wife and I will be getting new iPhones. No, I haven't decided if we're getting the pros or sticking with the standard poor person's model. Come October, I'll probably be trading in my 2019 Intel-based MacBook Air for a 15-inch screened M2-chipped Air. This will be the first Apple-chipped computer I will have owned. I'm also hoping to upgrade my now-ancient 2015 iMac come December. You know, I really need a, a new desktop. Thank you. My 2019 Intel chip-based MacBook Pro, which is by far my favorite computer right now, will probably get one more OS upgrade before Apple places it on its obsolete list. Now, I don't know if I'll get a new Pro or just use whatever trade-in value I can towards a, I don't know, something else. Well, we'll see what happens. Entertainment News. Uh, the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer are breaking many box office records and haven't slowed down much during their second week of release. Unfortunately, I have no desire to see either of these in a movie theater. The Barbie movie does not interest me in the least, and the Oppenheimer flick clocks in at over three hours in length. The last long-form movie I sat in a theater and watched that approached that time was the first Lord of the Rings release. I enjoyed that movie, but did get a little fidgety towards the end. 
I'll just wait for Oppenheimer to release on one of the streaming services before attempting to watch it. I'll not make it a priority, though. Breitbart.com had a good article giving six reasons why Hollywood is in real trouble this time. I'll briefly go over some of them here. Reason number one is the death of cable, satellite, and other over-the-air television. For a long time now, Hollywood has been relying on all forms of television as its personal automated teller machine. At one point, over-the-air television was the only game in town. There was no competition. If you wanted Hollywood content, well, you paid whatever was asked. Over time, things shifted to pay TV, first cable and then satellite. Yes, you had a lot of channels, but how many did you actually watch? The scam here was that the broadcast companies were forced to carry these channels in order to carry the more popular channels. Many pay TV channels have less than 500,000 viewers, and even the most popular ones have less than a million viewers. That's why your cable bill was or is so expensive. Reason number two is that streaming has become a thing letting consumers pick and choose what channels or content they really want to watch. Even with Hollywood's pivot to streaming, these services are losing billions of dollars for their parent companies. Note that the audience numbers for streaming services aren't made public, because if they were, the companies that own them, well, their stock value would plunge. Reason number three is that Hollywood was so dependent on the cash cow of pay TV that they got cocky and lazy. Hence the agenda-driven garbage they're attempting to feed audiences today. Reason number four is because of the unearned capital pouring in from pay TV. Hollywood stopped worrying about quality and stopped worrying about middle America. They allowed the woke movement to take over their company's culture, who feel it's their mission to convert audiences over to their beliefs. Now that these companies just can't charge pay TV to carry this drivel, the incoming money supply is dwindling. Reason number five is free TV is making a comeback. As I've said in past episodes of this show, you now have a bevy of ad-supported streaming services which feature quality programming at no cost to the consumer. Examples of these are Crackle, Freebie, Tubi, and Pluto. And yes, just naming a few. And if you happen to live in a metropolitan area, you can just buy a cheap antenna and have all sorts of programming to watch. Finally, the sixth reason Hollywood is in really in trouble this time is the ongoing actors and writer strike. One of the demands these strikers have is a share of the streaming revenue. Now, I just told you that Hollywood is losing billions of dollars on these services. I realize basic math really isn't being taught these days in favor of critical race theory, but any percentage of zero is, well, zero. Hopefully, Hollywood will eventually realize how much trouble they're in and be able to right the ship before it sinks. I currently subscribe to DirecTV Stream, which costs this household a pretty penny because they carry the local sports networks. Once I move from this area, we can watch our beloved New York Yankee games for free using the MLB app, which my cellular carrier, T-Mobile, provides us at no charge. There'll be no reason to keep DirecTV Stream at that time. My wife consumes most of her shows via Hulu while I'm usually watching YouTube. If I feel like watching a movie, I have Netflix or I'll wait for a sale on the rental price for a particular movie. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast news. It's all quiet on the podcasting incorporated front this week. There has been some movement within the list of the top podcasts, but I don't listen to any of them. So to put it frankly, I don't care. (laughs) The Podfather. Mr. Adam Curry has launched a new podcast called Boost the Graham Ball which is billed as the first podcast featuring value-for-value music. Basically, musicians submit their creations to the show, and Mr. Curry acts as a DJ and plays them. If you like what you hear, you can donate money to the artist via PayPal and many other methods. Well, I gave it a listen, and while I like the premise of the podcast, it's just not my uh, cup of tea, as the cool kids say. A podcast I've been listening to on and off since 2011 is Alec Baldwin's Here's the Thing. Mr. Baldwin's politics can be described as uh, divisive, but I enjoy him as a podcast host and an interviewer. I even met the man in a work setting, and he was friendly and cooperative. The show started off as a WNYC public radio production, but has since moved over to iHeart since the end of 2021. Basically, Mr. Baldwin interviews celebrities who live in and around New York at their homes or even where they work. At one time, I had a very sedentary job where I would spend hours sitting at an x-ray machine. The building I was located in had an automatic door to allow the freight to be brought into the building, and most of the time it was stuck in the open position. Well, I didn't mind this too much because being that while the door was open, it afforded me a view of the New York City skyline. I recall listening to Here's the Thing first on my old Nokia N8, 
and then on my brand new iPhone 4S using the Downcast podcast listening app. Gazing at the skyline while listening, I'd imagine Mr. Baldwin somewhere on Manhattan Island recording the podcast. It seems the move to iHeart has also seen the show move to Los Angeles and into a studio setting. While the production sounds more polished than when it was based in New York, it's lost its grittiness and I kind of miss that. It's still a good show if you pick and choose the episodes you want to listen to, but I still prefer the older New York-based shows. Judging by the inserted ads the show has, it's not doing as well as it has in the past with mostly public service announcements or ads from iHeart promoting other podcasts. The show's been running for 12 years now, making it one of the first celebrity-hosted podcasts. Anyway, I bet you didn't know Alec Baldwin was sort of a podcast pioneer, now did you? It's story time. This week's story is part two of When I Move from Little Compton to the Village of Horsepath, which is located just outside the city of Oxford. I'll try and keep this installment a bit short as I've kind of gone too long today. So, just sit back and listen. I hope you enjoy it. After a short period of settling into what seemed to my housemate Rick and I as our new luxurious accommodations, well, compared to where we came from, we set about finding the nearest pub. Well, of course we would. And we were in luck as there was such a place within walking distance of our house. The pub was located just down the hill and I can't recall its name, unfortunately. Anyway, I I wasn't impressed with it because unlike the old red line back in Little Compton, the pub was lit by fluorescent bulbs and didn't appear to have a local side. Or perhaps it was just too well hidden. In other words, this place had too much class for myself and Rick's taste. (laughs) After the sad demise of our beloved MGB, which I described in a previous episode, we purchased a blue Bedford van. We equipped the rear of the vehicle with carpet, and I think we even had plans to put a mattress in there in case we got too drunk to drive home. Those plans never panned out. We had two favorite places in Oxford that we always made a point of visiting. One was the Rat Skelter, and the other was the Monk's Retreat. The Rat Skelter was where the students attending the various colleges within Oxford hung out and featured local bands performing all night. Well, at least until closing time. I noticed how talented these local bands were compared to the ones who performed back home on Long Island, though the ones on Long Island were way better equipped than the English locals. The Monk's Retreat was located underground within a section of tunnel constructed by monks, well, who knows how long ago, which led to who knows where. The place was dimly lit with fake electric torches and featured someone playing a lute or some other stringed instrument. Rick and I focused our attention on the two barmaids who ran the place, who Rick nicknamed Shaky and Liza. Shaky earned her nickname by her lovely exaggerated switch when she walked, and Liza earned hers because of a hairstyle that resembled Liza Minnelli's. Both were in their mid-twenties, and I was but nineteen, so I considered them way out of my league. Though Shaky took a liking to me and joked one time that, due to my young age, my prowess might be enough to satisfy her. Just maybe. Well, I must admit, this sort of frightened me. That and she was of African descent and wore no makeup on the flawless skin of her face. I considered her too beautiful for me to even consider. The monk's retreat was usually the last stop of the night, so we would order some cans of beer to go. 
then make our way towards the center of Oxford, where the parking lot was located, which was the only place to park within the city. Well, I consider this a good system, and I wonder if it's still like that. We'd make our way home and then listen to music until we passed out. Well, that'll do it for this week. I'll continue next week with more Oxford Tales. Well, the new music is playing, and so that'll do it for this episode of the OFNT Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com, if you're so inclined, that is. I'd enjoy hearing from you. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. That's a beautiful August afternoon. So what are you doing here? You know what I'd like you to do? I'd like you to get off my lawn. Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.